This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Welcome back to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. It's the show all about your animals and the animals around you. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson. Libby Hartfield, the retired director of the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science, is out this week. So today, the doors to the pet hospital are wide open. We're looking for your pet questions this morning, from dogs to cats and everything in between. But the phone lines tend to fill up quickly during our pet show, so don't hesitate to call or email with your question for Dr. Major. Also, if you have any general wildlife experiences that you'd like to share, we always like to hear those as well. So join our conversation with your phone call. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven. 672-7464, or you can email the show, send it to animals at mpbonline.org. Uh, just a reminder that if you ever miss Creature Comforts on Thursday mornings, it repeats every Saturday morning at 6. So good morning, Dr. Major. Hope you're doing well this morning. Good morning. Doing good. So uh, we've had this little snap of cold weather, and I guess this time of year, um, you never know when it's going to turn cold. Uh, and so you really need to have things ready to go. So if the, you know, if, uh, cause I think this week, I think the temperature dropped like 40 degrees from one day to the next. So maybe a good idea when it gets to be fall and winter to have, you know, the, the things ready for your pets uh, so that you can institute them at a moment's notice. Right. A con- contingency plan, if you will. Uh, I think I've seen more sweaters on dogs and cats in the last <laughs> two days than I have in a long time. And some of them are very colorful. Uh, I think some of the pets actually like the uh, sweaters, and then some you can look at them and tell, like, yeah, I'd rather be out of this. <laughs> but uh, it's good on the little ones especially. And the main thing we have to think about outside with our outside dogs and cats would be shelter uh, from wind and rain and some place to get when it's cold. Uh, we, we always mention this time of year, if your car is parked outside, be very careful not to uh, maybe make some noise uh, before you start your motor because we do see cats like to get up in a warm, uh, under the hood, warm place on the motor. And uh, sometimes that can be disastrous. Uh, so maybe tap on your horn or bang on your hood a little bit and hopefully that will alleviate that problem. Uh, also, I can share with, I think I shared this on the year last year when it happened, uh, The I have a my laundry room is sort of off the carport and it's an enclosed area where I have my washer and dryer. Well, the other last year around this uh, time of year, I went in to do some laundry at night and there was a possum sitting on top of my washing (laughs) machine. And I saw him and he saw me. And I think we were both so surprised to see each other uh, that uh, when I went back out there a few minutes later after recovering, uh, he was gone. But apparently he was looking for a warm spot to uh, spend some time in as well. There's a certain amount of, uh, what shall I say, prehistoric amazement when you <laughs> confront a possum, uh, especially unexpectedly, because they got some big teeth, yeah, and they make some pretty good hissing noises, too. So they're being more defensive. I don't know that I've ever seen a, a possum that was aggressive toward, toward a person. Uh, and actually, they just kind of, usually the dogs and the cats, to a certain extent, some of them don't, but some of them actually ignore them, let them eat, eat outside with them. But uh, that that's that's kind of scary on your dryer. 
Uh, he was he crawled up on top of the washing machine, so he was kind of peeking over the top of it. And okay. like I said, I kind of screamed, and, and he looked at me. And, and like I said, when I went back out there, he was gone. So like I say, I think we, we equally surprised each other, and he went back maybe to whatever little warmer spot in that uh, room that he was in. Yeah. Uh, we've got some calls on the line, but a couple quick things to get to before we get there. And that is, and I think I've heard you mention this before, that even when it gets cold in Mississippi, uh, it doesn't get cold enough to not worry about flea control. So is that something that we should continue to worry about and can and be concerned with throughout the winter months? Well, you know, fleas uh, rally in over winter where? On, on an animal somewhere. And certainly the uh, pupa, the uh, eggs can be quite hardy as far as overwintering as well in bedding or this sort of thing. So flea control in Mississippi should be a year-round uh, effort. Uh, they are worse at certain times of the year when it's warm and moist. But they also persist in cold weather as well. Uh, my one uh, thought on flea control is, well, two things. First of all, if one thing doesn't seem to be working, consult with your veterinarian because there are a number of different options. And also the second thing is, you know, bite the bullet and pay for the name brand stuff because I at one time was using sort of a knockoff of one of the popular flea control medications for my cat, and it did not work very well. And I switched to the name brand, a different kind, but the name brand, and it certainly has been much, much more effective, and I don't see uh, any fleas on him anymore as well. So that's something to keep in mind when you're talking about uh, flea control. One other thing before we get to the phone lines, and that is our producer Java uh, printed out a picture that someone had sent in. It looks like, as you mentioned, Dr. Major, that maybe this bird uh, ran into the uh, window because you can see it's right here on someone's porch, uh, right by the maybe the front window or the door. Uh, and your your guess was pretty good. You're thinking that's probably a wood wood duck. Is that right? Woodcock. Woodcock. I'm sorry. So yeah, that looks uh, pretty much like him. There are very, some very variation between them, but I'm pretty sure that's what that is. All right. Woodcock and probably hit the window. It looks like he's pr- pretty stable. Yeah. Excuse me, not talking into the mic. He's pretty <laughs> stable there. But uh, they're beautiful birds, and they have a long beak. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they tend to uh, use that beak to get worms and other things out of the ground, and uh, they're they're unusual. You're right, though. That does look like we've we've snagged that one, and he does have a long beak, and it does look like he he survived uh, the collision there or the the um, encounter with the door uh, in pretty good shape. So again, we always like to remind you that if you see something that you can't identify. Uh, Try to get a good picture of it and send it in. Uh, you know, Libby has some contacts at the Museum of Natural Science. Dr. Major uh, is well-rounded in, in things other than just uh, your pets as well. So we'll always try to figure out what that is and help you identify something. So let's jump on the phone lines here. We'll begin in Natchez. Uh, Lauren has called in today. Good morning, Lauren. You're on the air with us. Good morning. I would like to know the long-term prognosis for a seven-year-old papillon that's just been diagnosed with inter vertebral disc disease. Well, okay. A lot of it depends on the severity and the placement of the uh, disc type problem. A lot of the uh, a lot of the dogs, of course, when we think intervertebral disc disease, we almost automatically uh, doc picture of a dachshund jumps in my brain. They're very common to have that. Uh, with a papillon. Uh, I would suspect that if a dog is having some issues, they're probably between somewhere in thoracic, last thoracic L1, L2. Is that correct? Uh, I'm not sure exactly where okay. where it's located. In most cases, his, in most cases, excuse his me. His hind legs splays out when he tries to okay. walk or turn. Okay. His uh, back legs splay out. 
but he has good feeling in those legs. They're not, um, uh, he's not paralyzed, is he? No, okay. no, he's not. Well, there's medication that can be used, and uh, sometimes uh, medication will help a lot. Other times it doesn't, and it may be a, he may be a candidate for surgery. Uh, the uh, depends on the pressure, depends on what's going on with that. What kind of medication is he on now? Uh, he's on the, uh, just some pain meds and I think a steroid. Okay. Probably on prednisone, uh, I would think. And a lot of dogs, I would suggest, would do be served well to restrict their activity, uh, either kenneled or in a small space so they won't hurt themselves or start to drag themselves around. No, he's uh, in cage now. Uh, we can't good. Uh, that it's helps. A, it's a good-sized cage. That helps. And uh, how long has he been having this problem? Just. Day. Okay. Day. Usually yeah. you'll see some good response uh, within a week to 10 days on the medication that you're on. So hopefully this will this will help. He may have to stay on some medication ex- for an extended time. It all depends on where the lesion is in his back and how severe. So good luck to you, and I sure stay in touch with your vet, and I sure hope that uh, things improve. Okay. Thank you. Thanks, Lauren, for your call. Let's get uh, at least one more call in before the first break, and it goes to Teresa calling in from Brandon. Good morning, Teresa. Hey, good morning. How are you, Dr. Major? Doing good. How are you? I am great, except that I have a 18-month-old border collie. Please help. Okay. <laughs> he is fantastic. He is affectionate. He's bright. He is just wearing all of us out, and we're a family of five. We take turns running him, walking him. Uh, he's just He's a lot more than we can handle, and right. I'm not sure what we're doing wrong. Well, you know, of all the breeds, uh, Border Collie, uh, Australian Shepherds, those herding-type dogs do have to have something to do. And a lot of times with the Border Collie, I can see that they can have some, uh, I hate to say mental issues, but issues that they don't know when to stop. <laughs> uh, I would suggest, if you could... Uh, Doing the basics, which you probably already are, as far as leash training, yes, uh, and be very uh, adamant about that. He should be able. To, he's well old enough, obviously, to sit, stay, come. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would also talk to some of the people that uh, enter into the uh, dog agility type programs. Yes, sir. Uh, this may help uh, giving him actually something to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, which may be constructive. I don't know what he'll think about it. But still, I understand. And it is a problem. I, I can remember one border collie that uh, they didn't uh, kennel the dog at night, but he literally ran the fence all night and mm-hmm. had and had a uh, path deep into the, alongside the fence because he was constantly moving. So. Right. I, it might be good, again, to check with people that have border collies or have this type of dog and see what you can do from the standpoint of uh, maybe the agility training. He sounds like he's probably pretty fast, yes, and uh, it sounds like he can also mine, but he just he's, he's a handful. Yes, so, sir. What, um, do border collies respond well to electric fences? We have not, we've intentionally not put one up. Frankly, I think that he could. Uh, he would figure out after you right. know. I don't want to invest a thousand dollars and then have him in an hour and a half <laughs> figure out how to bust through. 
Right. I have seen some of the dogs, oh. the Border Collie-type dogs, that did quite well. There's one in our neighborhood that uh, I always worry about them when I see them in their driveway, but these dogs do not leave the yard. One of them is a uh, hunting dog like a uh, mm-hmm. Brittany Spaniel, which has a high-energy dog. Uh, I think it might be a wise investment uh, to do that. Follow the instructions and talk to some people that have used it before. You don't want to amp that uh, uh, shock collar uh, all the way up to start out with, but right. they learn pr- learn pretty well, and right. uh, I would suggest that that might be a good thing. Great. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thanks for your call, Teresa. Time for our first break. When we get back, we will continue taking your pet questions for Dr. Major. If you have one uh, about your pet this morning, you can give us a call. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two. 7464. You can email the show as well. Send it to animals at mpbonline.org. Dave from Tupelo, Kathleen and Osaka, please hold on through this break. You'll be up next. As soon as we get back, you're listening to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. So stay tuned. Hi, I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart, professor of internal medicine and pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. On the original Southern Remedy, we answer questions about all aspects of your health and share some of the latest medical information in the news. You can listen to the show on Wednesdays at 11 on MPB Think Radio, or you can subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy on your preferred podcasting app. Welcome back to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major. Today we're taking your pet questions and talking about any brushes with nature that you'd like to tell us about. Join our conversation with your phone call. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 You can email the show as well. Just send it to animals at mpbonline.org. Dave has held through the break for us. Dave, thanks for holding, but now you're on the air with us, so go ahead. Um, I have a question. Okay. Um, I have a, I live out in the country, and um, I have a hundred acre pasture on me on the west and the south side of me. And um, there's this dog that lives out there. Apparently, according to the neighbors, he's lived out there for about 13 years. And he's got a broken hip, or he had a broken hip, which he does very well. But um, he's just recently, for the past year, been coming to me. And I've been feeding him, and he's been coming and staying in my house. And he used to stay at the neighbor's house off and on, too. But now he's kind of become my dog. But a while back, he... Uh, he got in a fight somewhere and got his ear ripped. He has the big, wide, long ears that hang down, and it tore up there on the point. Well, he has scratched and torn that thing so much that I can't get him to stop. I kind of had it healed up in the beginning, but here recently he's gone. And when it got really hot, he started scratching it, and now it's just raw. But the problem is he's not really my dog, and he's kind of a wild dog. He's just been feral all these years. And I need a vet to come out, but I don't know how to, you know, it's not like we could hold him at muzzling or anything. He's a big dog. He's like a German Shepherd lab mix. So I don't really know what, I've done all I can do for him with the veterinarian and using the red scarlet ointment that the vet gave me and all. But I don't know really how to get this to heal up. So, because I can't collar him, he'll tear a collar off. I tried that, but he'll tear that off. Right. This gets to be a little difficult situation to treat. I suspect that you've got a number of uh, large animal vets uh, in the area. I would 
try to contact one of them to see if they wouldn't mind looking at this dog. And uh, it may be that before even the vet comes, you need to try some tranquilizers. I have eight from my, I have four dogs and I have a Malinois. He's had eights before and I I could definitely give him that. Could give that to him, but I I would suggest trying. There may be a small animal vet that makes calls. I don't know. No, I have a vet. I have a vet that'll come to the house. Right. That's what I would do. I think that's what you need. Uh, So tranquilize the dog and get somebody to look at it. How long is that cut? Pretty long. Uh, Well, yeah, it's traveled up pretty far. Now I can actually see the tip of the cartilage in the ear. Um, so my thing is, is that if I ace him, like once he fixes the ear, I don't know how would I keep him from continuously because he can't, right. well, he won't wear a collar. He'll tear at me. So right. wrong. he'll just tear everything right off. You know, that's, that's a real problem. I think probably the main thing would be some sort of long acting antibiotic, which your vet could do. Okay. Uh, and there's one called Convenia that will last about 12 to 14 days. Okay. Uh, it's an injection. And Would I keep him tranquilized, sort of? I've done that with my Malinois when she found a car one day. And, if you uh, could, and, and and the dog would let you, you know, treat it topically as well. So that's what I would suggest. And it's okay. it's difficult a lot of times when you don't need to get bitten. Uh, yeah, will they muzzle him possibly while he's tranquilized? That quite, way? quite possibly, yes. Okay, okay. I was wondering how we'd get a muzzle on him without knocking him down. Well, if he has, you know, of course they could give an injection if you can get a leash on him and get an injection, which is hard to do sometimes. But yeah, certainly. He's strong. He's strong as a dog I've ever had. Okay. Well, good luck with you, and uh, I hope that helps. All right, Dave, uh, thanks for your call. Let's move on next. It's our friend Kathleen calling in from Osaka. Good morning, Kathleen. Well, good morning. It's kind of warm outside. <laughs> I've got two things I want to cute story, and then I want to ask Dr. Tori about some hair loss on BB. Um, you know how Monday was a really muggy, rainy, cold day? So when the cats are bored and they're looking in the windows, I keep this box of toys. It's like a little plastic balls with bells in it, and I throw a couple of them loose. It looks like they're playing hockey on the floor. <laughs> Well, this little cat I got, she's the smallest cat I've got. She was a stray two years ago, um, four or five pounds, if that. She got tired, walked over. I think she had it planned, picked it up, climbed up on top of the dresser chest. I had a blanket up there for in case they got up there, grabbed a corner of the blanket, rolled up like a tamale, and looked at me now. Now I got what I want. They can have what they want, but I'm going to sit up here and mom like it and watch. I thought, God, you know, some cats have so much uh, fun. They're just fun. You never know what they're going to do because I had never seen a cat uh, take their toy and go home, so to speak. (laughs) But uh, uh, maybe when he was so hot this summer, he lost a a lot of hair from his, uh, say, below his shoulders to the backside. It's not all lost, but it's just like you can see the second layer, the the one that grows close to the skin. Is there something I can put on that for him? Um, I don't. I have never had a cat lose hair like that. Right. It may come back. Uh, he hadn't lost all the hair then. It's just an yeah. outer layer. Okay, it may may grow back. Has he? Uh, you got your fleas under control, right? Yeah, now. <laughs> okay. And that may have been part of the initiating of that. Uh, yeah. I would suggest that, uh, I know you've got a lot of cats, and I, I'm just saying if you could add some, maybe some. Uh, you know, I 
know, I wanted a cat spring in the sleeves. When I'd work out in the yard, I realized they were coming in on my cuffs and my shoes. Sure. So I had to learn how to spray my legs, my uh, jeans and whatever, and I had to spray around the door and bomb the house. It was an investment, Doc. All right. Well, you may have to take some of the flea medicine yourself. No, I'm, jo- <laughs> I'm, joking. I'm joking about that. No, that was, I know you are, but it would just be apropos. <laughs> right. Uh, at the very least, is I don't think there's anything that you're going to be able to put on him, you know, as far as a, uh, that sort of thing. If you yeah. could add a little fish oil to his diet, that might help. Uh, I can do that. You could do that and see if that helps. Probably this hair is going to come back. And I yeah, hope I that's try to keep him. Uh, I used, there was a little comb that was available with two sides for human use. I used to keep in their back pocket. <laughs> and I found a couple, and I can put it in the palm of my hand. And pretend I'm petting them, and I'm really combing them, and they don't seem to put two and two together. That's good. Amen. All right. Take care. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Kathleen, for your call. We've got some open phone lines on this All Pet Day on Creature Comforts. If you have a question about your pet for Dr. Major, you can give us a call at 1-877-MPB-RING. It's 1-877-672-7464. Got a few minutes before our next break, so let's say good morning to Sue in Columbus. Sue, you're on the air with us. Go ahead. I have a dog I got from the dog pound, but we figure he's 12 years old, maybe 13. He's part Chihuahua and part Schnauzer. Hmm. And he's just now, you can tell he can't, uh, he hurts when he walks and stuff. The vet has put him on Lasix, but I was wondering what would be safe to give him for his pain. It's obvious he's in pain. Right. So on Lasix, you would think he probably does have a heart heart issue. I would think the vet has diagnosed some sort of either congestive heart failure or something along that line to put him on Lasix. Uh, she said something about his heart, right, and right. he was a little swollen when she okay. put him on that. Okay, well, that's, that's probably very good. Uh, you need to talk to her about the different pain medications that might work. Uh, I would suggest there's the... Carpofrin, which would be like Remedil or one of those. If his kidneys and liver are okay, that would be a good drug to use. Would you repeat that name you said? Well, kind of the standard is Remedil, but there's a whole bunch of them. Okay. Uh, Flexidin or Flexprofen. uh, Okay. But it's Carpofrin is the uh, actual name, C-A-R-P-R-O-F-E-N, Carpofrin. Oh, okay. Uh, and uh, that that can that can help, if especially there are others. There's some liquid liquid uh, medications. One of those names is meloxicam. But yeah. just talk mm-hmm. talk to your vet about that and see what we can do for pain. And I I he smells a lot because I don't bathe him much because. I can't figure out where it is, but if I touch him in certain places, he squeals, yeah. and and so and I just wondered if there's something I could do besides actually putting him in water to keep him cleaner. Right. Uh, if he's got a kind of a fishy odor or smelly odor, you need to have those anal sacs checked. They the could, what check? There's some anal sacs on either side of the uh, huh. rectum. 
and okay. uh, they they can secrete a pretty smelly uh, odor if they're full. Okay. Uh, it's if you have to think about where those are located. If you look at yeah. about four o'clock and eight o'clock would be if you're looking at the dog's rectum. I'm uh-huh. just saying that can cause a lot of smell, and it might be something uh-huh. that needs to be taken care of. They can be expressed and emptied, uh, and see if that's the yeah. issue. Okay. Okay. All right. That gives me a place to start. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Thanks for your call, Sue. We've got some callers to get to, but it's time for our next break. You're listening to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio and All Pet Day with Dr. Troy Major from the Animal Medical Center in Jackson. If you'd like a question answered about your pet, the number to call is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 7464 You can email the show as well. Send it to animals at mpbonline.org. More pet questions and answers after the break, so stay tuned. Welcome back to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major. Today we're taking your pet questions, and also if you have a brush with wildlife that you'd like to share with us, you can call in as well. The number to call is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 7464 As usual, it's a busy day on the phones, and uh, every time you hear a call end, if you can't get in, that would be the time to call, because once somebody drops off, that means one of the phone lines is open for your question. So let's start again. We've got uh, Vicki, who's called in from Macomb. Good morning, Vicki. Good morning. Go ahead. I'm calling because I've got a new little puppy that's about five months old, and it's a multi-poo, and it has taken a liking to the things that grow in my grass, like mushrooms. And um, I just have a terrible time. I've got to where now I take her out only on a leash, but she spends all her time rooting around in the ground trying to find them. And I just wondered if there was a solution to that. I thought maybe taste aversion would help because she did get sick over the weekend, but now she seems like she's fine again. And as soon as we take her out, she's looking for mushrooms again. Gosh, do you have a lot of mushrooms in the yard? Well... I didn't realize how many different <laughs> okay. places I had mushrooms, but she's okay. able to find them. Okay. Uh, you know, if I if I just let her out, she just runs like crazy, and then she starts rooting around. And if she finds one, she will bring it in and hide it in her bed and then pull it back out and play with it later and eat it. Sure. Okay. And certainly there are some mushrooms that are can be toxic, and this this is a real issue. Uh, I would hope that the cold weather is going to help you some right now. Uh, I know you may hate to have to take her out on a leash all the time, but uh, short of removing the mushrooms, uh, she's got an, uh, not an addiction, but she's just certainly searching. Maybe you can uh, think of some other way to distract her, uh, mm-hmm. hide some Hide some treats and something out there, you know, like a one of those Kong type uh, indestructible toys. You can, they can put peanut, yeah. peanut yeah. butter or cheese in there. Maybe get a couple of those small ones and hide them in the yard, kind of where she'll have to root those out. Just trying to change her. Uh, if there's a lot of mushrooms, I really sympathize with that, but I don't know what to tell you to do. I do believe the cold weather is going to help, so hopefully that will cut down on that problem. And maybe, maybe the fixation will right. Maybe away. she'll out, outgrow it as well. But try something to uh, divert her divert her attention. I think it might help. Okay. okay. Thank you so much. Good I luck. appreciate it. Thank you. Okay. Thanks, Vicky, for your call. 
Now, multi-poo is one I've never heard of. I know poo, now I've recognized that that means it's a poodle, but what else is mixed in there? Well, it's uh, Maltese. Okay. Maltese, multi-poo. That's a neat name. I like the multi-poo. Uh, and they, there's a whole, you know, genetics is a wonderful thing. And there's a whole host of the way these little multi-poos might look. Mm-hmm. I've seen a few of them that had more than, actually it looked like more than two layers of different type hair. And one of them I can remember quite well had like a halo, his little golden halo over <laughs> its uh, whole body. So, so it can be, they can be quite, uh, quite colorful, and quite fancy. All right, uh, let's move on. Next, we've got uh, Jerry from Newton on the line. Good morning, Jerry. Good morning. How y'all? We're doing good. good. What do you have for us? Uh, I've got a comment about the lady with, for the lady with the border collie, and also a question. Okay. Um, I wanted to tell her about the best dog toy that I ever bought. Um, her dog probably needs something that's kind of interactive, too. And um, I used to have a dog. I'd throw a gallon milk carton out in the yard, and he would chase that thing <laughs> until you brought him in the house. Okay. He just had the biggest time. His mouth couldn't grip the, couldn't grip the uh, gallon jug, so every time he bit it, it jumped ahead of him. <laughs> and he chased it all over the yard. Great. That's a good We just good had talk. the best time with that, so maybe that'll help her. All right. Good suggestion. What's my your question? Qu- my question is, uh, my little baby is not so little anymore, about 25 pounds, and she's got some claws on her, and I'm wondering what's the best way to hold her down besides putting her in a vice, <laughs> um, because, you know, I get ready to clip that nail, and she jerks back just when I'm trying to avoid the quick and all. Okay. And you got any suggestions on that? Well, She's about 25 pounds. I've got a dog that's like 105 pounds, and she didn't like it either. What I've done and what seems to work as well as anything for me is to take a, take a Dremel, a real Dremel, not one of these petty paw things, a real Dremel, and, and just kind of take an easy and work on one or two uh, claws at a time. Uh, that seems to be better than a lot of dogs don't like that snap when the uh, when whatever you're using to cut the claw, yeah. uh, they they resent that. And dogs, most dogs don't like to have their feet held. I suspect though you're going to need somebody to help you when you really try to trim these claws. Oh yeah, and uh, try to. And certainly, you could get a tranquilizer from your vet, uh, possibly to give that might help some. But sometimes uh, a lot of people say they can do one, one, one paw and then, you know, let the dog kind of cool out and then do another one, not trying to do everything all at once. But I found, that, that, the, I found that the Dremel really helps me with my dog. That's with a, with a, rotor, with a round disc on Right, right, with a round uh, rotating disc. That, okay, uh, okay. It actually sands it down. Now, don't leave it on one particular nail too long because it'll start to get hot. So yeah. kind of rotate uh, between nails, but that works best for me. Okay. Well, that sounds good. Good luck to you. All right. All right thanks a lot. Thanks for your call. Let's uh, move on next. We'll go to David calling in from Louisville. David, you're on the air with us. Go ahead. Well, thank you. Good morning. Thank you for taking my question. I have a, I have a question pertaining to uh, the control of fleas on my cats. Now, uh, they don't have fleas. They've never had fleas. They're about four or five years old, and I've always been able to uh, catch them. But they are, 
these two cats are my barn cats. And I heard on your program about uh, six weeks ago about uh, uh, broadcasting salt in the uh, areas where they travel that would control the fleas. I read a little bit about it, and it seems as though that's a rather effective way of controlling them. And I, I, uh, I was uh, okay with doing that, but after listening this morning, there's been so much talk on the program about fleas, now I'm worried. Is, yeah. is there any way to control fleas on these two barn cats, right. sort of catching them right. and, and putting that putting something solution on. on the back of their right. neck. The other thing that can be used is diatomaceous earth, uh, which you can get from, uh, I think, hardware store, this sort of thing. It uh, And this salt does the same thing as diatomaceous earth. Diatomaceous earth, I think, is very... Uh, I wouldn't dust the cat with it, but I would put some where they lie around uh, in areas. Uh, it seems to... De- dehydrate the eggs and larvae and that's exactly what the salt does as well so i would try doing what you're talking about either salt or the diatomaceous earth and uh a lot of people use that in their house they'll sprinkle it in the carpet and then vacuum the carpet up so it's it is safe and it's something that you can use okay well, I thank you very let's, much, and I certainly enjoy your program. Let's try, let's try and see if that helps, okay? All right. Thanks, David, for the call and the kind words. Let's move on on this busy pet day on Creature Comforts. We do have some lines open. If you have a pet question, call us now at one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 7464 Jimmy's on the line next, calling in from Greenville. Good morning, Jimmy. Good morning. How are you this morning? Doing good. What is your question? Well, I've got a question concerning my small German Shepherd. Um, we've talked before about her. Uh, recently, I've been trying to change a dog food from a canned dog food to a dry dog food, science heel. Well, Monday night, uh, she had gas really, really bad, so much so that my wife, threatened to kick both of us out of the house. Okay. So I I went Tuesday and uh, just put on the regular canned food she was eating. And then Wednesday morning, yesterday morning, I got up. And since she'd been kicked out of the bedroom, I got up and where she was sleeping in the bed, she had thrown up all of her dog food. Well, I was concerned because she has had pancreatitis before, so I immediately took her to the bed, and she examined her and said, no, it's not pancreatitis this time. It's just probably upset stomach. And she recommended that I give her, I think it was 20 milligrams of uh, uh, ametazole before she eats. Uh, But question is, will that work, and how do I transition her? What's the best way to transition her from the canned food to the, the dry food? You know, the, one of the problems, of course, is that she's been on the canned food, I guess, for quite a while. I would, when you're transitioning, I would always mix uh, canned and dry together, which you may have done. 
and get a good quality dry food uh, when you're doing that. Uh, and if she continues to have excessive gas or throwing up, uh, I would certainly pick another food other than what you're doing. Uh, I would I would get a good quality food. When I say good quality food, uh, you probably understand what I mean there. Sometimes those are very expensive, but there's some good middle of the road, good quality foods that you can can use. Uh, well, I I started her on um, the dry food. I tried with her is uh, Science Heal Heal Science, right? Uh, uh, for delicate stomach and digestion, right? That would, that would definitely be a good one based on the fact that she's had pancreatitis before. Uh, and I would just try to transition slowly using the can and the dry and use the medication that your veterinarian sent home to give before before eating. Hopefully that will help. Okay. okay. All right. Thank you. Very Best of luck to you. Thank you. Thanks, Jimmy, for that call. It is time for our final break this hour. We are on an all-pet day on Creature Comforts. Been keeping Dr. Major quite busy this morning with your pet questions. There's still time to work in a question or two if you have one. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 We've got David, Mark, and Chris on the line. If you'll hold, you'll, we'll get to your calls right after this break. You're listening to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio, so stay tuned. No matter if you use an app to start your car or still have a flip phone, Everyday Tech can decipher today's technology for tomorrow's solutions. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or the MPB public media app. Welcome back to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. I'm Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson. It's an all-pet day, and we've been busy on the phones with your pet questions, so let's hop right back into things. We'll start again. Uh, David has called in from New Albany. David, you're on the air with us. Go ahead. Uh, Yes. uh, A question for Dr. Major. I have a cat who is an indoor cat, never goes outside. Uh, but the cat constantly scratches or itches to the point that it uh, claws itself, you know, makes little bumps behind its neck, uh, behind its ears, back on the neck. And uh, this has been going on now for a year or so, at least a year or so. Cared, cared the cat to the vet, and the veterinarian uh, put that cat on a, on a drug called Overban megastrol acetate 20 milligrams uh which i give uh, once a week but he cautioned about the cat could not stay on that drug uh for you know for for life let's say and so i have kind of rotated on and off uh uh when i put the cat on the drug it seems to help the scratching and uh he was concerned about weight gain uh, also, but so I have let the cat, you know, lapse a month or two, and then when the scratching returns, and I put the cat back on it. And I want to get Doctor Major's uh, ideas about that situation. Right. Of course, I'm sure the cat is flea free, which uh, you know is always one of the things you think about when some scratching is much. Most of this is around his head and neck. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. How about down the back? Does he have uh, a little sore or something down his back? No, the, the, no, uh, no evidence of that. Just, oh. just uh, appears to be right around the neck. What about uh, in the groin area? Is he 
naked there? Has he licked all the fur off there? Well, you, uh, you know, I haven't. <laughs> right. I haven't inspected the cat thoroughly that, in right. that area. Right. That's okay. That's okay. But, uh, but what, the what cat does, does lick itself right. a lot. What you're describing is is generally referred to as miliary dermatitis. Uh, you get these sores and bumps. My suggestion would be to alternate, uh, and I personally, uh, I know that the magistral acetate is used, but uh, your vet was very correct in not keeping me on that for a long time. I'd suggest using steroids uh, judiciously. Uh, when I say judiciously, there's a steroid that can last three to four weeks. Sometimes you can repeat that, and the cat will clear up for quite a while. Uh, so that's a possibility, and also probably need some antibiotic with these bumps and sores. So uh, I would talk to your vet about possibly, and a lot of people are reluctant to use a steroid, but certainly uh, there's some reluctance to using what you're using now because there can be some side effects. So uh, a lot of these cats need help, and I would suggest myself uh, to try to see about using something. Uh, it's called Depomedrol and can be used, uh, as I said, judiciously. You don't just overuse it, but uh, certainly that might help a lot. Okay? All right, uh, David, thanks for your call. Let's move on next. We've got uh, Mark, who's called in from Biloxi. Mark, you're on the air. Go ahead. Hi. Can you hear me? Yeah, yes. go ahead. Okay. Uh, I uh, come from a family with a long tradition of, of budgies. And my great-grandfather back in the 50s used to raise them by the hundreds. Right. And I'm recently recently uh, interested in getting finally getting another budgie. And I was wondering if you knew of a nice aviary where I could go and maybe bond with uh, a new budgie uh, as, as they come out of the nest or, or, or to find a quality aviary. Certainly. Okay, thinking about this, I, I don't know of anybody to direct you to personally, but they do have, uh, uh, periodically in all sections of the state, they have uh, actually bird shows uh, where breeders come together with their birds, uh, and you might uh, talk to some of these people about, you know, the ones that would be raising the birds. Uh, Other than that, do you know of anybody that raises birds in your area right now? No, I was unable to find okay. uh, a private Avery. Okay, let, let, gosh, if you'd give me your number, uh, don't have to do it over the phone, but uh, could text it or whatever to us, uh, and I can check and see what I can find out and get back to you if you'd like for me to. I'd appreciate that. My great my great uncle Rudolph used to raise budgies by the hundreds. Right. And he had, <laughs> and somewhere in the mid fifties, there was some type of scare about a virus, and they made him destroy them all. Right. That would have been one of the scary type things. Yes, I understand. All right, uh, Mark. I'm going to put you on hold. If you'll talk to our yes. call screener and leave your number. Also, just as a backup, if you could send an email to animals at mpbonline.org to remind us that you called in and the information that you were looking for. All right, Mark, thanks for that call. Let's move next. We've got uh, Chris, who's called in from Jackson. Good morning, Chris. Go ahead. Hey, good morning. Um, I've got a question about a a cat I have, and I think uh, she got beat up by another cat that suffered from uh, crystals in the bladder and stuff like that. That cat's gone, but the cat in question got got sequestered up on 
up in the attic or up on the third floor and uh, wouldn't come down for a while. And she's starting to get a little bit better. But the, the problem with her is that she'll seem to be um, uh, in another world. And she'll make this god-awful noise and start running through the, the room and chasing you know, like 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 dust balls or something, and then you you call her name and she'll answer in a completely different voice. Like, right. oh, I was in a trance. <laughs> um, will well, she get get out of that? <laughs> it sounds like she's got PTSD of some sort there going on, and you know she may not be responsible for all she's doing right now. Uh, she seems to be improving some. Uh, there are some things that you might consider. Uh, mm-hmm. Is she is she nervous when you're around her? No, but she's always talking, and she always wants to be touched and always wants to be petted, and so. But you do feel like she's some better. So I would suggest they do have some uh, pheromone-type collars or uh, inserts that you can put in your uh, electrical outlet that can uh, secrete some pheromones. A lot of times this will help uh, a cat that's acting strange. I like the collar myself because the cat goes from room to room, whereas you don't, wouldn't want to have to put those uh, air-type atomizers in every plug. So mm-hmm. you might talk to your vet about uh, a calming collar. Uh, even though she may not need to be calmed, it may help her uh, cope a little bit more with uh, this trauma that she had. Okay? How, how okay. long ago was oh. that? How long ago was that? Um... Probably, I, I think I, I think she finally got out from under that cat about three months ago. Okay. Two, well, three months. I think she'll probably come around, but you might consider something like that to kind of to kind of help. Okay. All right, uh, Chris. Thanks for the call. Let's try to work this last call in. Arthur from Memphis. A little bit pressed for time, Arthur. So if you could be brief. Yes. Go ahead. Uh, uh, you hear me? Yeah. Yes. Go ahead. Okay. Well, I have a question. I have uh, uh, four small dogs. And I have two of them that uh, uh, wants to eat the other dog's poop. Is there anything that you can put in their food or, or give them to stop that? There is. And, of course, I don't know the history of these dogs, whether they came from pet shop or from the shelter uh, or where. But a lot of times dogs that have been caged for some reason or another uh, will develop that habit. There is a uh, product called Forbid, F-O-R-B-I-D, uh, and you can actually put it in the food, and it's supposed to change the, uh, what shall I say, taste, if you will, <laughs> of the other dog's poop. But it needs to be, you're probably going to need to put it in all four of them's uh, food just as a trial and see if that helps, Okay. Okay, well, uh, where would I get this? Uh, talk to your vet. Uh, they they should have it or can get it for you, okay? All right, Arthur, thanks for your call. Uh, before we leave, a, a budgie, that's a bird I've never heard of. Could get, what, what do budgies look like? Are they sort of like parrots or? Just think about parakeet. Okay. okay so okay. I, thought, I thought he was talking about a dog, and then when no, he they, said bird. So. The, the big name, I always get confused on pronouncing that big name, is Budgerigar. Uh Budgie. All right. Most people say budgie, okay. 
All right, uh, that's going to wrap us up for today. Just a reminder that if you ever need anything identified, you see something out when you're out and about, uh, an animal, uh, you can always send us an email to animals at mpbonline.org when you snap a picture of it with your smartphone. That's going to wrap us up for today. Creature Comforts is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio, funded and provided in part by generous listeners like you. To hear today's show or a previous show, one way to go to is to find it at mpbonline.org slash creature comforts. Our show is produced by Java Chapman, and our call screener today was Michelle McAdoo. So for Dr. Troy Major, I'm Kevin Farrell. Stay tuned, because up next, it's AutoCorrect with the lady auto mechanic, Allison Walker. We'll be back next Thursday at 9 for another Creature Comforts. It's heard only on MPB Think Radio.